Amen. Amen. How many of you ready to receive the word of God today? Oh, come on. Now, y'all ready to really receive the word of God today? I just uh, had a son, a uh, newborn, and uh, even if I didn't, I would probably be taking this uh, week off, but the team said, Pastor, you need to get some rest and take a week off, and I've been trying to get this brother to come and just bring the word for a long time. He finally agreed to it. Um, I, I love him. He's my brother, um, and he's an amazing example in our community. Um, and I believe that he has a word for us today. So I want you to raise your expectation. Um, I want you to ask God to give you attentive eyes, attentive ears, and attentive heart to receive what God has placed on his heart today. So give a life city welcome like you have never before to my brother, John Everett, at this time as he prepares to preach. Amen, amen. Stop clapping, stop clapping. Pastor told me I have an hour and 30 minutes. Um, so it's the, you know, it's in between sports season, so you ain't got nowhere to go anyway. Uh, thank you. Thank you, Pastor. I appreciate the opportunity to come before your people and, and to give the message. Um, for those of you who don't know, he asked me a while ago, like, hey, listen, at some point in time, I'm going to want you to speak. And, you know, and I say, Pastor, whatever you need, I'll do. And you know how you sometimes you tell people stuff like that? And you're like, I ain't, I'm not really expecting anything. So he called me out on it. So, but I do appreciate it. I do appreciate it. Um, and I want to thank my wife as well because she's actually the one to put it on the calendar, <laughs> not me. So <laughs> I appreciate her. I appreciate her and my, and my kids who are here and my family as well. My Vicky, I love you. Appreciate you. Appreciate you being here. So this message is really a message to myself. Um, I think a lot of times when, when ministers or, or, or folks stand up before the people of God, um, they talk, sometimes talk at you. Um, and so you don't necessarily get that authentic, are they going through the same thing I'm going through? So as I was studying for this message, um, it hit me because I'm like, I need this probably more than they need this, but I'm going to say it anyhow. So the title of the message is Follow Me. Uh, it's two words. But in these two words, by the end of this message, I guarantee you'll see how profound these two simple words are. If you have your Bibles, go to Luke 18, 18 through 22. Some of you are familiar with this account. It's the account of the rich young ruler when Jesus first met with him. Um, the scripture says, a ruler questioned him, saying, good teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not bear false witness, honor your father and your mother. And he said, all these things I have kept from my youth. When Jesus heard this, he said to him, one thing you still lack, sell all that you possess and distribute it to the poor, and you shall have treasure in heaven, and come, follow me. That is a simple yet radical command. Now you're saying, John, why is, it, why is it radical? It's simple in its presentation, but it's radical in its execution. And you say, well, why so? Why is it radical? Because it's countercultural. Following Christ is countercultural. Our current culture teaches us to follow ourselves. I know half of y'all in here either got a Snapchat. If, if you're old, you got Facebook like me. 
or you got Twitter. And what do we do as soon as we meet somebody? Hit me back, follow me back, follow me back. So our, 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 our state of mind is saturated with this concept that we should be following each other. It's like the blind leader the blind, but that's a whole different sermon. So we're constantly, we're constantly sought after to follow each other, to follow me, just follow me, just follow me. And I think we've lost the essence of what that really means. Because a lot of times we give an invitation to Christ, but that's a command. Christ isn't asking the question. Punctuation is important. When he spoke to the rich young ruler, he said, follow me. He wasn't like, follow me, if you want to. He didn't say it like that. He said, follow me, it was a command. So it's countercultural. And culture is self-centered, understand that. Like I said, we always look at ourselves from the standpoint of, uh, from the standpoint of how can we go about putting the spotlight back on us. It's something we don't, I don't think we do maliciously, it's just something inherently that we do. And I was, as I was researching the message, I began to think about, well, every time we talk about leadership, there's a thousand books on leadership. I tried to look up some books on how to be a great follower. Didn't find too much. Matter of fact, one of the only books I found was how to be a leader when someone else is in charge, which to me didn't make no sense. But, but I say all that to say this. We have this concept that we don't want to work for anybody. We want, we want to be our own boss. Everybody wants us to be an entrepreneur. Everybody wants to, I, I got to be the best me. That's what the world teaches. I got to be the best me. I got to do this for me. I forget you all over here. I got to make sure that I'm okay. You see it today in a lot of the influencers. Everybody's pointing, again, social media, everybody's pointing back to me, follow me, follow me. But following Christ requires you to unfollow self. Wow. Understand that. The focus isn't on you. The focus is on him. Self-centeredness can't coexist with the commitment to Christ. That may shock some people, but it can't. You can't be so centered on what you want and on what you need that you forget why you're here, that you forget what your purpose is, that you forget the plan and the purpose that God has for you. Luke 9, 23 says, then Jesus said this to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must what? Deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. That is a very hard for us to do. We don't want to deny ourselves. Again, it's countercultural. The world tells us you don't deny yourself anything. You give all you can while you can, right? But Christ calls upon us to deny ourselves. Our biggest problem is becoming fixated on what we, what we think we deserve. That's why it's so difficult for us to deny ourselves. And again, I don't, I don't want this to be a, a, a message where you feel like I'm saying, hey, listen, I told you this is a message to myself. This is a message to myself. Because I, as I went through life and I began to look at how I treated other people, how I just went through life in general, I began to realize that all of my pursuits were for personal gain. Why, why did I go to college? Why did I play basketball? Because that's what I wanted to do. That's what I, I never thought to sit back and ask God, what is your will for my life? You know, a lot of times we ask God to bless what we're doing and, and tell, and instead of telling or asking God to show us what he's blessing. That's good. Good. You understand? So that's what we have to begin to do. Sometimes the situation we're in is not about us, it's about someone else. So when we talk about following Christ, when Christ says, follow me, a lot of times we're in situations and we say, God, I got so much going on. There's so many issues, so many problems. I can't, you know, I'm, I'm struggling with the issues within my home. I'm struggling with issues in a relationship. Uh, I, I just don't know how I'm going to make through it. I, I know for, for me, sometimes it's people on my job, right? Some people I just can't stand. I just got to walk into the office and smile. And, oh, bless you. 
Don't really mean it if I was honest with myself, but I know that's what I'm supposed to do, right? But what we have to understand is sometimes that we may be the only Jesus that somebody else sees. So we have to make sure that we are following Christ in every aspect of our lives. This is not just being uh, Facebook faithful or, or being a Twitter theologian or being Snapchat sanctified. This is, 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 is moving beyond when the lights go out, when, the phone, when you log off the phone, when you walk into your job, when you leave this place. That is where we see just how you're following Christ. That's where we see. It's not here. It's not here. It's real easy to come into the house of God. It's real easy to come amongst believers and profess what God has done for you. It's real easy to stand before folks that, that believe the exact same thing you believe and say, oh, you know, Jesus has done this for me. Jesus has done that for me. But it's a whole different thing to go talk to atheists, a whole different thing to go talk to a Muslim, a whole different thing to go talk to somebody that, that doesn't know God at all, but who's watching you. That's a whole different conversation. So we have to prepare ourselves for that. But what gets in the way? A lot of times pride gets in the way, right? But we can't let pride hinder us from experiencing God's promise. I'm going to say that again. We cannot let our pride hinder us from experiencing God's promise. God's, and Pastor spoke about this earlier. God's promise is, is tied to our obedience, right? And why, don't, why aren't we obedient? You would think a simple command like follow me should have been something easy for us to do. Right. Here's what that's the way, That's why it's so radical it's, it's radical in, in its simplicity. To follow Christ, you have to surrender. And to surrender, you have to trust and believe. A.W. Tozer said this, if you do not surrender, it will be totally impossible for the Lord to do anything for you. Surgeons have to have the surrender of the patients. A lot of times we talk about everything that we go to. And I think a lot of times we, we tend to focus on what's going wrong with our lives. And that could be anything. But how you respond to Christ reflects his position in your life. So no matter what you're going through, no matter what issue you're facing, I can tell where your faith is by how you respond. If, if you're having an issue at home, if you're having an issue with finances, if you all of a sudden get depressed because of that or you, you, you get high anxiety, that tells me your faith is not where it's supposed to be because that means that you are relying on yourself instead of Christ, right? Because if we truly believed that God was the creator of all things, if we truly believed that Jesus was the son of God, if we truly believed that he had all things in his power, all things in his control, there would be no reason for us to worry, Correct? There will be no reason for us to worry. But the thing of it is, we want to save ourselves. I'm, I, I'm horrible at swimming. So if I jumped into, my wife, my wife will tell you, muscle don't float. Um, my wife will tell you, if I jump into the 10-foot part of the pool, somebody's got to come and get me after a while. I can probably doggy paddle for about five feet, and then I'm done. It's a wrap after that. But I would look like an idiot if I jumped into the pool, waved off any help, and said I can save myself. Right? But how often do we do that? We jump into situations, we jump into relationships, and instead of us depending on the one who can save us, we say, I got it. As long as I can see it and I can see the outcome, I got it. So your, your faith will only be as strong as your understanding of who Christ is. 
2 Timothy 2.15 says, Be diligent to present yourselves approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Now, this is the part that convicted me. Again, this is a message to myself, but I hope somebody gets something out of it. Like I said before, um, you're only strong as, your, your faith is only as strong as your understanding of who Christ is. The only way you understand who Christ is is if you study his word. All right? So if I show, had a show of hands and said, well, how many people love Jesus? Everybody would throw their hands up. Oh, I love Jesus. Yeah. You know? Amen. Preach. If I said, put up your hands if you studied the word of God every day, some people would say yes. Some people would say no. Some people say, well, I read the Bible app when the, when the verse of the day pops up. That's not studying. Okay? The, 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 the word theology is this, the knowledge of God. So if you don't know who God is, how can you depend on him? If you don't know who Christ is, how can you have faith in him? How can you follow him if you don't know who he is? That's why we struggle, because we don't know who God really is. We don't know who Christ is. If you want to know him, you must seek him. How do you seek him? That's the studying part. If you went to a job and your surgeon said or your, your doctor said, I've only got, you know, I didn't pass my medical exam. Would you, be, would you be confident going into your, into your operation? Probably not, right? And I think the problem is, is that when we look at Christ, if we were honest with ourselves, we don't love him. We like him, but we don't love him. What do I need? Well, John, what do you, I, I definitely love Christ. Is, is your life a reflection of that, though? Is your life a reflection? I love my wife. I do. We've been married for 14 years, but I had to learn my wife. I had to study my wife. Like they say, happy wife, happy life. I had to learn how to make her happy so that I can build that relationship with her, so I can understand what she needed before she even knew she needed it, okay? Because I love her. When we look at Christ, when we look at our relationship with Christ, can you say you know everything about him? Can you say you're actively pursuing him on a daily basis? If I only approach my wife and talk to my wife as frequently as I talk to Christ, we'd probably be divorced. Right? But that's his desire for us. That's not a question. I keep, that's a command. Follow me. And so we have to have that understanding that it has to be more than just a like of Christ. It's not just about me liking every single Facebook post that I put out about Christ. It goes beyond that. I know Pastor Shannon likes, loves Asher. Why? Because he floods my timeline with pictures of Asher every five seconds. Okay? So, so people shouldn't have to, I don't have to ask Pastor Shannon if he loves Asher. It's evident. Right? I shouldn't have to ask you or wonder whether or not you love Christ. Because it should be evident in everything that you do. John 14, 15. So, so John, what do you mean? What, what, what do I do? What, what, am I, what am I supposed to do about all that? John 14, 15 says, if you love me, you what? Ooh, y'all ain't say that very confidently. Y'all didn't say it very confidently. If you love me, keep my commandments. Um, that's a non-negotiable. That's a non-negotiable. What Christ requires, we can't make optional. I'm going to say that again. What Christ requires, we can't make optional. 
Because what motivates you will sustain you. So if you're going through the, the word of God and you're reading what Christ says, and you say, hey, listen, I love this part right here. This part right here, I love. I'm going to grab it. I'm going to post it on Facebook, t- tweet it out. You know, that's, that's a great quote by Jesus. But you don't apply it. You don't live it. But then there's uh, this other part where I don't really want to deal with that because it, it's convicting me. I don't want to deal with that part, God. But this part over here, I love it. I love it. I love where you say you're going to give me everything I asked for, but when you talk about loving my enemy, I'm, you know, they did me wrong. You know, I ain't built like that. I'm, in, I'm from the streets. We got to deal with it, eye for an eye, you know. So how we respond to that command is critical. So you say, I don't know where I'm going. I don't know where I'm going, John. That's why I asked myself, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, where, where do I go with this? Understand that when, when Christ calls his disciples, they did not know where they were going or how they were going to get there. And I'll read this to you. It says, going on from there, he saw two brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat and their father Zebedee preparing their nets. Jesus called them and immediately they left the boat and their, follow, and, and their father and followed him. So... As I read this, and again, sometimes we read over the Bible and we don't really take a minute to kind of process what's going on. Understand this. Jesus goes up to these men. They're working. He says, follow me. They leave not only their job, they leave their father. They don't know where they're going, and they just do it. They're just obedient. They didn't know that they would be disciples. They didn't know that X thousands of years later, we'd still be talking about them. They didn't know that they would eventually be given power to, to heal. They didn't know that they'd eventually be given power over demons. They didn't know any of that. They didn't know they'd have that type of notoriety. They didn't know that. They simply followed him. That first act of obedience is what prompted their success. Okay? But what what do we normally do? What do we normally do? Just because you don't know the answer, or excuse me, just because you don't know the destination doesn't mean God is lost. Okay? So again, these men followed Jesus. They followed Jesus off of his command. They didn't know where they were going, but they, they, they knew they weren't lost. They knew who they needed to follow. But the problem with us is when we don't get an immediate answer, we panic. God, that bill is due, is due like yesterday. Um, I don't know what I'm going to do. God, I should have been ahead. I been, I'm, I'm in my 20, I'm 25. I should have been as successful. I should have been a millionaire when I'm 30. I, I should have been this. I should have been that. And we try to put a time limit on what God has for our lives. We try to put a time limit on a purpose God has for us. The other piece I like about this is that it says that they, they dropped their nets too. They were preparing their nets, they dropped everything. So what I say, don't pick back up what God has told you to release. Remember, he, said, he just said, follow me. He didn't say pick up your nets, go, say, go quit your job, go explain to your employer why you're not fishing anymore, drop everything and follow me. Understand that. The other thing I like about this passage is I almost felt bad for the father. Because you got to realize in that time, the family, it was usually a family business. So now your two big workers are gone. I'm just going to follow this guy that told me I should follow him, Dad. Bye. Wouldn't work now, would it? People think you were crazy. But understand, not everyone who starts with you will finish with you. And that includes family. So a lot of times we think if I start believing in Christ, if I begin to follow God, everything's going to be okay. Everything's going to work out. And that's not the case all the time. These men, had, they left their father, their livelihood, and their possessions. 
Now, why is that significant? It's significant because we can't let what we have define who we are. Those men were known as fishermen. No doubt they were good at what they did. But again, that's, that was a reflection of what they did, what their abilities were. And I'm pretty sure a lot of people out here have gifts, what you can do. When Christ told them to follow him, he was saying, I no longer want you to use those gifts for this. I want you to use those gifts for me. Simple obedience has profound implications. When Christ commanded us to follow him, you have to understand that although a crowd walked with Jesus, only his disciples followed him. What does that mean, John? Jesus was followed by thousands of people. Understand this. Thousands of people. Thousands of people, and I'm using air quotes, supported him in what he was doing. But if you keep reading, the further he got to the cross, the more those numbers went down. Right? So why do you follow Christ? Reciprocity, comfort, or relationship and holiness? A lot of us follow Christ because we are trying to get something from him. You can hear it in our praise songs. What can God do for me? When we should be following Christ because just of who he is. Again, do you understand who Christ is? If you did, you would not be worried. If you did, you would understand his mission, his purpose for you. Understand that obedience is a prerequisite for purpose. A lot of the times when I'm talking to young people, they don't, what am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to do? Am I supposed to do this? Am I supposed to do that? Pastor kind of talked about this in his message. Obedience is a simple thing, but it's a complicated thing. And it's only complicated because we make it complicated. A lot of us haven't progressed past the point where God wants us to be because simply because we haven't been obedient in the small things. If you can't handle $5, why would I give you a million dollars? Okay? But your blessing is tied to your obedience. So when Christ asks us to follow him, he's asking for our, our obedience. He's commanding our obedience. Not asking, he's commanding our obedience. But your response is indicative of what your life will be. I thought this was, was, it was, it was comical when I read it. It said, then another of his disciples said to him, Lord, let me first go bury my father. But Jesus said to him, follow me and let the dead bury the dead. Matthew 8, 21. Let it go. There are dead things in your life. There are dead relationships in your life. You cannot follow God clinging to the things of the past. You cannot follow Christ clinging to old relationships, old situations, past hurts. You cannot do it. You have to let it go. I'm not going to sing Frozen, Sean. But you, you, you have to let it go. Okay? You cannot experience the full promise of God with only partial obedience. I'm going to say that again. You cannot experience the full promises of God with partial obedience. But that's what we like to do, right? Like I said, we like to obey this part of the Bible, ignore this part of the Bible, obey this. As long as it makes me feel good, as long as, as, long as I think it justifies what I'm doing at the moment, I'll believe that. But Christ commands us to, to be wholly obedient. So why aren't you following Christ completely? What is your excuse? That's the question I ask. Nobody has to answer that out loud, but think that to yourself. Why aren't you following Christ completely? Why haven't you surrendered everything to him? What's your excuse? I ask that because your reason could be delaying your season. 
okay? We come up with so many excuses of why we're not following Christ, why we're not doing the things we should be doing. I get it. I've done it before. All right? I had a gazillion excuses for pastor to come up here and speak to everybody. We just we do it. It's natural. Okay? But at a certain point in time, we got to stop making excuses. At a certain point in time, we have to say, I'm going to commit and surrender everything to Christ. I'm going to commit and surrender everything to God. I'm going to say yes. About a... Six months ago, I was having a conversation with God, and I told God, and this is part of the reason why I'm even up here today, and I told him, I was like, God, I don't know what's going on with my family. I don't know what's going on with my situation at work, but I do know this. From this day forward, whatever you ask me, I'm just going to say yes to. Whatever it is. Whatever it is. So, no, you don't have to apply for that. You don't have to apply for that. The reason, the reason I gave you that, that, that challenge, really, is because... I don't want anybody here to have to go through so much drama, so much stress, that then it, all, then it brings you to that point where you just have to say yes. Why do we always feel like we have to wait till we hit rock bottom to look up and say yes to Christ? Why? If we were honest with ourselves, our success can be just as much a barrier as our, fa- our failure. Success can make us complacent. Failure can keep us stagnant. Both inhibit growth. What do I mean by that? What I mean is this. Some of you in here haven't gone through much in life. As a matter of fact, you're like, I feel like I'm doing pretty good in church. I feel like I'm doing pretty good in my walk with Christ. But you know there are some things, some things you still need to let go. Oftentimes we talk about those who have gone through the most atrocious things in life and how Christ brought them back. But some of y'all have been on a pedestal and you think you're okay because I didn't go through that. You know, I didn't have sex before I was married. I'm good. You know? I didn't lie this week. I'm good. I didn't do this, that, or the other, and I'm good. And you think you're successful, but, but understand, Christ calls us to turn everything over to him to completely, to completely serve him in every aspect of our lives. Our final verse comes from Luke 18, 23 to 27, and it, and it goes back to the original point with the, with the rich young ruler. Remember when we left off, he, was, he, he said, Christ told him, follow me. That, that was his command. Uh, and it starts, it says, but when he had heard these things, he became very sad for he was extremely rich. And Jesus looked at him and said, how hard is it for those who are wealthy to enter the kingdom of God? For it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. They who heard it said, then who can be saved? But he said, these things are impossible with people, but are possible with God. Radical change always begins with simple obedience. Radical change. A lot of people are looking for change, but you have to be obedient. The same command that Christ gave to to the young ruler, to his disciples, is the same message being delivered today. Follow me. You want radical change in your life, right? Everybody wants radical change? Everybody has a situation? Follow Christ. And he promises your impossible will be made possible. My encouragement to you today, I don't know what has been prohibiting you from following Christ. I don't. I don't know everybody's situation. But I do know this. If you say yes, everything will be okay. And what I mean, does that mean everything is going to turn, all of a sudden turn rosy? All of a sudden I'm going to get that house I want? No, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that if you say yes to Christ, his word says he will never leave you nor forsake you. 
right? And we have to understand that our whole purpose, this whole command, this whole command to follow me is about Christ, is about Jesus. It's not an invitation, it's a command. So how many of us today can commit to following him? How many of us today can look past all the excuses we made previous to today to say, I'm going to follow Christ? Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity that you've bestowed upon us to bring the message to your people. I pray, God, that this, this word touched somebody else as it touched me. I pray that your people will begin to understand what their purpose is. I pray that your people will begin to understand, Lord God, that you love them and that you love them with a radical love. I pray that your people will begin to understand that we will begin to understand that you require obedience, but you give us so much more. You've blessed us with salvation. You've blessed us with comfort. You've blessed us with so much, Heavenly Father. And we thank you for it. We love you. And we ask that you would just fill us with your Holy Spirit. That you would give us the strength we need to follow you in every situation, not to make excuses that we don't even need to know where we're going, Lord God, because we trust in you, because we know that our trust and our belief and our obedience is what leads to our change. We thank you, Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name. Our prayer team is going to come up. I like I said, I don't know what, what your situation is. But I do know this, you have an opportunity today. As long as there is breath in your lungs, as long as you have the right use of your mind, you can respond to that command. Jesus is asking you today to follow him. How you respond to that command can unequivocally change your life but nobody else can make that decision for you. As the, the father in our story whose sons left him to go follow Jesus, you can't depend on somebody else for your salvation. You can't depend on your mom, your father, your brother, your sister. No, it, it all comes down to that decision between you and God, between you and Christ. So I encourage you, as all heads are, are bowed and eyes are closed, If you're one of those people who are saying, John, I, 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 I've been a Christian for a long time. I've been a Christian, but I haven't always walked um, in the path that I, that, I, that I need to walk. I haven't always done the things that I need to do. Just, just put your hand up really quickly. I just want to see. Thank you. You can put your hand down. If you're one of those people that say, I have no idea who this Christ is, but I want to get to know him. I want to follow him. I've heard about this Jesus character. I heard about him, um, and, I, and I just want to get to know him more. Raise your hand. Thank you. Thank you. I want to pray for us one last time. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for those who recognize their need for you. 
we thank you for those, Heavenly Father, who recognize that you are the one true and living God, we, that you are the Son of God, that you are Jesus, that you are our Savior. We pray, Lord God, that you would continue to strengthen them and encourage them, Heavenly Father, to grow in the grace and the knowledge of you. We thank you for those, Lord God, who are seeking you. The scripture we always say is, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. It's as simple as that. It's as simple as the belief. The belief that, is you, that if you follow him, that you're, if you're obedient to that command, you will see salvation. So we thank you, Father. We thank you for those who came. We thank you for those who are here, who are still striving to serve you in every aspect of their lives. Be with us this day in Jesus' name. Amen. I appreciate, I appreciate again everybody that came out today. I'm going to extend another thank you to Pastor um, for having the confidence. And he didn't read my notes at all. So uh, he had no idea what I was going to say, which is kind of bold by him. I don't know if I would have done that. But appreciate it. Appreciate it. Um, but I just want to thank everybody for coming out today. And I hope everyone has a blessed week. Appreciate y'all. Let's give him a real hand clap. He did a amazing 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 job and i don't know about you but even as pastor i'm sitting in that seat just challenged to want to obey christ and follow him with all that i have and i believe that everyone receives something and it hit them somewhere let's just pray a blessing over your week and then don't leave before we get a chance to shake your hand and greet you outside father we thank you for everyone who's come and we pray blessings and favor upon their week safety Lord, give them favor on the job, in their home. Lord, give them the courage to face the things that they must face, knowing that you're able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all we could ask, think, or imagine. And we ask all of these things, and we believe that they're so. In Jesus' name, amen. Y'all have a great week.